You're listening to episode 8 of the Thriving Mom Podcast, and today we're discussing the one thing that your child needs from you when it comes to eating. Want to know what that is? Stick around. Welcome to the Thriving Mom Podcast, where we invite mothers and mothers at heart to think outside the conventional beliefs about motherhood, nutrition, and raising healthy kids. I'm your host, Uime Oguta, recovering perfectionist and non-diet nutrition counselor, on a mission to help smart women like you find food and body freedom through intuitive eating, self-care, and mindful practices that will leave you kicking balance to the curb, stop surviving, and start thriving in the beautiful chaos that is motherhood. Are you ready, mama? Let's journey together. Hello, friends. How are you? I, for one, I'm excited to recording this episode because I'm finally digging into feeding kids, but I'm also struggling with a cold. So my voice gets really croaky. I'm one of those people who gets the terrible voice when you have a cold. So hopefully I last through this podcast. But anyway, I'm excited to be here. All right, let's do this. So this past summer, I did a series on feeding kids and I asked the moms who participated what their biggest struggles and fears were when it came to feeding their children. Of course, as you can imagine, there were so many, but the top three were worries around feeding the right kinds of foods, also known as vegetables, according to those mums, how to help their children be healthy, or worries around picky eating. Now, as a mom, I can totally relate to all those fears. And while I can relate to wanting to give your child the best chance they possibly could have at living a healthy life, I also worry about this focus that we have on what we do and what our kids are eating. Now hear me out. The culture that we live in is highly focused on attaining the optimum health, of which there's really no clear definition of what that is anywhere. So if you're a mom or a caregiver who's really focused on trying to give your child the best, you know, start at living healthy, you're not alone. This is completely normal. I'm sure many parents, including myself, we find ourselves there often. One of the issues with this is so many parents become overzealous, sometimes obsessive in their efforts to raise children who eat a certain way and have good eating habits. Unfortunately, this creates an unpleasant eating experience for the children and may somehow contribute to the children having poor relationships with food. For example, if you're someone who struggles with leaving food on your plate as an adult. So you worry about not finishing your food. Even when you're full, you keep eating because you have this mentality that I must finish my food. Chances are when you were growing up, you were forced to clean your plate, right? So you were either shamed or pressured to finish your food, or you would get in trouble if you didn't finish your food. And this shows up in your adulthood So for instance, if you go for a party and there's food being served buffet style, you're the one who'll keep going back. Not because you want more food, which if you do, then that's normal, but because you're worried that the food needs to be finished and it's part of your duty to make sure that that food gets finished. Can you see yourself in this? Sometimes these thoughts are happening at a subconscious level. We're not even recognizing that we have those thoughts. But if you tend to be this person at the party or at a buffet, I would encourage you to sort of get curious as to your behavior the next time this happens. And if as a parent or a caregiver, you're doing asking your child to clean their plate, chances are when they grow up as adults 
or even as they get older, they'll be the person who just keeps eating even after they're full because of this mentality that they must clean their plates. So what's this one thing your child needs from you when it comes to eating? It's trust. (laughs) Did that surprise you? Trust. Building a trusting feeding relationship matters most for raising a child who has a healthy relationship with food. And I'm laughing here because I've had so many moms come to me with their worries and I let them go on and on and talk about it. And then I just talk about trust and it's like, what? You know, they're rolling their eyes or looking at me like I have two heads. It's like, what? You mean like there's no formula? There's nothing? No, it's just building that trust. And it's so simple, but it's not easy. And I think that's where a lot of us miss the mark because we feel like there must be this complicated system and strategy that we need to put in place. But no, we don't. A child that's raised with a trusting food relationship is competent when it comes to eating. I was first introduced to competent eating when I had my first daughter, Annika. So I had to do a workshop on picky eating with moms of toddlers And my supervisor back then, she was a registered dietitian. She had me study Ellen Satter's resources on feeding the family. As a new mom, everything I studied made sense. However, it didn't sink in until I started doing the work on my own relationship with food and my body. So when I learned this, Annika was still a baby. And by the time I worked on my own relationship with food and my body, it was probably around three or four years later. So you can see how long it took me to be able to finally apply this concept with my daughter. And it's not because I didn't have the knowledge. I did have the head knowledge. I just didn't know how to apply it. And this is usually one of the reasons moms come to me because they find that they're struggling even while they're trying to let their kids have this freedom, while they're trying to allow all foods and give the kids permission, it's still a struggle. So if this is you, I want you to know that it's completely normal and there is no shame in seeking for help. I invite you to listen to this podcast, ask the questions that I'll be providing here, then see what you can do to start building that trusting feeding relationship in your home. I do the work with women in my program to address this issue. So if this is you, I would invite you to check out the food freedom guide on my website at oliveandbliss.ca. I'll include the link in the show notes. And if you're looking to work one-on-one with me, by all means, check out my program as well. And I'll be glad to jump on a call and see how I can support you. So back to competent eating. Ellen Satter says that a competent eater is relaxed, self-trusting, and joyful about eating. And they also take good care of themselves with food. So this is through getting enough to eat of enjoyable and nourishing food. Notice how this talks about how we engage with food rather than the food itself. Because like I always say, food is not the problem. Until we get that foundation of trust when it comes to eating behaviors, we will always be at war with our food and mealtimes will always be quite stressful for us most days. So why is trust important? From research, we know that any form of dietary restriction tends to backfire, is often associated with preoccupation with food, eating in the absence of hunger, poor self-esteem, and weight gain in children and adults. So trust is recognizing that we're all born with the innate hunger, appetite, and fullness signals. As long as there's no underlying medical issue or a child's caregiver doesn't mess with those signals by introducing any form of negative eating behaviors, 
I talked about one of them asking them to clean their plates. Most kids grow up to have a positive relationship with food and their bodies. This includes kids that may have sensory struggles. With the right kind of help, children can grow up to be competent eaters. But this starts with recognizing that you, as a caregiver, you have a role in, to play by providing the food, creating a structure and nurturing environment for the food to be eaten while your child is responsible for deciding to eat, what to eat, and how much they eat. Ellen Satter calls this the division of responsibility. I'll go into more details in future episodes, but I just wanted to drop this idea of trust so that you can start thinking about areas where you're doing well and areas where you may need to tweak a few things in your home. So how do you know whether there's a trusting feeding relationship with your child? You ask. Yes, mama. You ask that child. Now, I'll just say here, in order to do this, you have to be willing to listen. Even if they say the most outrageous things, just listen. Don't make what they say mean anything about you as a mom or a caregiver. It is their opinion. So you take it that way. Ask yourself as well. Then compare your responses. And I promise you that you'll see areas where you're doing well. So you can keep doing well in those areas. And you can also relax a little bit around eating. And then you'll see the areas where you could improve on that relationship. And then you look for help in those areas as well. So grab a pen and paper if you want to write these on your phone or notepad somewhere. Go ahead. All right. Here are the five questions to ask yourself and your child about eating in your home. I adapted them from Ellen Satter's eating competence model. Number one, does my child feel good about food and about eating? So do they enjoy eating in general? Number two, does my child eat a variety of foods and enjoy learning to eat new foods? Number three, does my child have regular meals and snacks and pay attention while they eat? Number four, does my child trust themselves to eat enough for them or do they need help to tell them when they've had enough food? Finally, number five, is my behavior or relationship with food interfering with my child's ability to enjoy mealtimes or trust their body's innate hunger appetite, and fullness signals. So I must say that these questions may bring up some things that make you feel uncomfortable, which is completely normal. I still go back to these questions myself because my kids are growing and changing every day. And I want to make sure that I'm staying accountable by maintaining that trusting feeding relationship. I invite you to get curious about the negative feelings that may come up for you. If you find that there are areas that need work, how might you want to change things in those areas? I always say talking to the child helps and depending on their age, you might find that you'll have to be the one to make the call if they're still babies. I think you have a great opportunity to change the trajectory going forward. Obviously, if they're older, you might have to have a little bit of a negotiation and talking and figuring out, okay, what's a good place that they could land and you could land. And this all depends on your own child. You know your child best. And you'll be able to find a solution if you work with them. You may want to find resources to help you. I recommend Ellen Satter's website. There are tons of articles and resources that you can use. So I'll include the link in my show notes. You can also seek the help of a nutrition professional. Like I said earlier, the women I work with typically need help to figure this out. And I'd be happy to jump on a call with you and see how I can support you. 
The link is oliveandbliss.ca slash nutrition hyphen coaching. I'll also include the link in the show notes. So to wrap this up, I just want to say that any mom or caregiver can do this work. Obviously, if you're deep in dieting and restriction, it may be a bit harder to build that trust because you're operating with a different mindset. But maybe this will be your chance to finally heal your own relationship with food. My Food Freedom Program gives you the tools and support you need in this area. And one last thing before we go, I want to say that this trust model may seem very countercultural because of the reasons I stated at the beginning of this podcast. But let's keep the big picture in mind. Your child's health will be influenced by so many factors outside your control. Food and eating is just one slice of that big pie. You can give them the tools they need by laying the foundation of trust. At the end of the day, we all just want children to grow up without repeating the same cycle of disordered eating relationships that some of us have or may have had in the past. And this starts with building trust in our children's innate abilities to regulate themselves, to regulate their hunger, their appetites, and their fullness. So this is just a little taste of what I have planned for the new year, digging more into this trust model. So if you're not subscribed to the podcast, I would invite you to do so. That way you don't miss those episodes when they come out. All right, my friends, I hope this was helpful. Would you do me a favor and share this episode with a friend? And I would also invite you to leave me a review on iTunes. That way more moms can find us. If you happen to share this episode on social media, please tag us at Olive and Bliss Wellness or use the hashtag TTMP. And that stands for the Thriving Mom Podcast. Until next time, my friends, keep thriving. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to share with other moms. I'd also love to hear your takeaways. So please reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook. I'm at Olive and Bliss Wellness. If you haven't had a chance yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Each review is so important to us because it makes it easy for other moms to find our thriving mom community. Be sure to tune in next week for another dose of inspiration to help you thrive on your motherhood journey. Until next time, stay thriving!